Welcome to the podcast. Today, we talk a little about... we got a bunch of stuff going on today. Is it the end of the Me Too movement? They may have reached the logical conclusion here. Uh, we have uh, a guy talking about UFOs and uh, this report that has just come out from the government. Tucker Carlson, who is talking about being spied on about the uh, NSA... By the NSA, excuse me. Um, we're going to go into his story and uh, talk to someone, Cheryl Atkinson, who's also dealt with a similar uh, type of thing. And uh, we talk about Glenn's uh, new escapade. Uh, he's got a vacation coming up and he's doing a car show. We will tell you where it is and we will make fun of his car, which is actually really cool, but I don't want to tell him that. Uh, so here's the podcast. You're listening to... The best of the Glenn Beck program. Man, the FBI and their race team racing into action. My gosh, they are just solving crimes and protecting the American people like nobody's business. Yes, they have finally tracked down the notorious Louise... Lynn McNichol, or is it just Lois? I think it may be Lois. Lois McNichol. Oh, man. When you hear the name Lois, don't you think just young activist, right? Mm -hmm. Well, apparently, Lois, the 69-year-old grandmother from Los Angeles, was arrested yesterday uh, and charged in connection to the January 6th breach of the U.S. Capitol. Now, Lois... 69 years old, Lois and her gang, Adeline, Myrtle, and Clara, uh, are just radical insurrectionists. And uh, Beatrice, don't even get me started on Beatrice. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. These people are out of control. You know what they did, right? Uh, but she, hmm. You know what, what they did? What? They Myrtle and the clan? Yeah, Myrtle and Lois. Both mm -hmm, mm -hmm. entered the Capitol. Yeah, but they did it, and Olive had the intent to walk around. <laughs> and when you've got Myrtle, Lois, Olive, mm -hmm. Esther, yeah. Mabel, yeah, uh, Gertrude, you know, Vera, Gertrude. Gertrude. Said, wait, wait, maybe we shouldn't walk around. But <laughs> Myrtle said, "No, we're walking around. Yeah, and we're gonna do it yeah, for but Olive, ten minutes. Ten. But minutes. Olive was like, my hip hurts, <laughs> and and Myrtle was saying to Adeline, Adeline, I know you just have all those." <clears throat> gastrointestinal intestinal problems but mm -hmm. we gotta walk we gotta keep you walking and that says nothing uh, about what agnes so, was doing this entire time by yeah. the way well and what agnes, agnes? don't let's not agnes? forget agnes battles with uh irritable bowel syndrome right and so she so, was in the bathroom for the entire time but inside the capitol in the capitol building yeah 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 that's right well hazel Hazel was helping Myrtle because uh, Myrtle has a touch of dementia. Uh, and so Hazel is right there to say, but this is a dangerous gang. This is the second grandmother in this uh, in this FBI roundup uh, to stop these dangerous insurrectionists. And when I think of all of the uh, of revolutions around the world that were started by unarmed grandmothers 
Mm-hmm. I can't. I would if I started down naming them. I wouldn't be finished until after July fourth, right? Twenty four seven. I could just name Myrtle, uh, Ethel. It was it was oh. Adeline that started, of course, uh, the 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 revolution in France. Why do you <laughs> Why do you think they call it Myrtle Beach? How do you think it was taken over? Mm-hmm. Amen, brother. They stormed the beaches. Men. (laughs) Stormed the beaches. A bunch of myrtles stormed the beaches. That's how that town started. (laughs) Not a lot of people know that. Not a lot of people know that. I couldn't sleep until Um, last night after they put her away. After they put Lois away. Uh, Then I finally got my first good night's sleep since January 6th. (laughs) No, she's out on the streets. (gasps) She is out on the streets. No. Yeah. She posted Bond? Uh, Let me... Oh, my. Yeah, let me. No, listen, it's okay. worse than that. Oh, no. 49-year-old unarmed grandmother of five was presiding in Indiana. I don't know where she was presiding. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, she was uh, she was nailed for the uh, for the um, uh, the breach, the insurrection in the U.S. Capitol. And mm-hmm. she was the uh, second now to be sentenced uh, and she she could have faced time in prison, but she said that she was really sorry about what she did, that she said, I, I didn't I didn't know I was breaking the law. And gosh, I wouldn't want to be involved in. Now, this is this is what people like Clara say all the time. Well, gosh, I I certainly wouldn't have been in the Capitol doing something that I didn't think I was supposed to do. Oh, and these people make me sick. Sick. So uh, she said, quote, I would have never been there had a clue that it was going to turn out the way it w- did, because it was never my intent of being part of anything that's so disgraceful to the American people. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, you would be you would rest well like Stu uh, mm-hmm. and Pat if you didn't know that she's back on the streets today. Mm. Oh, um, no. The attorney. No, the attorney had her read books like Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. She also had to watch Netflix Mudbound and documentaries uh, Slavery by Another Name and Tulsa Burning, the 1921 Race Massacre. And uh, and that was part of the deal what? that she could go free. Hmm? What? Is, I hadn't read that part of it. Is that true? They had her watch... The Tulsa riot thing? Bury my bury my heart at wounded knee. Okay. Uh, Netflix mudbound documentary slavery by another name and Tulsa burning the nineteen twenty one race massacre. What did you talking about? Why to do with anything? What did that have to do with the January sixth incident? Oh my gosh, Stu! I'm not going to be able to sleep at night knowing that Pat is free. (laughs) (laughs) He's free to to gather now with Olive. Yeah. And Hermina. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Well, we only brought him on the uh, air today knowing that in behind him, the forces are gathering to put him in prison. Uh, he's he's not facing the door, so they can kind of walk in as a giant squad and arrest Pat and mm. haul him off so okay, that we good. can get Oof. good night's sleep <laughs> because of his obvious support Indeed. of the January 6th incident. <laughs> By the way, uh, Pat, how many grandchildren do you have now? How are they doing? I have 10. How are they doing? I have 10. Ten grand, which uh, ten grandchildren yeah. mm-hmm. makes him a mm-hmm. danger already. <laughs> you, the day he gets a walker, look out, America, <laughs> yep. look out. Yep. Now, uh, I want to, I want to just share with you. Um, uh, yesterday, the Secret Service had to arrest dozens 
of of youth uh and they were there's no problem uh these guys uh 500 people blockaded uh blocked uh, every entrance to the uh, white house uh they demanded a fully funded civilian climate corps uh be put back into the infrastructure bill um they um they marched to the white house blocked the entrances send a message to biden that no climate no deal uh, they want they want that human infrastructure in there, the free college, free universal child care. And um, AOC was there. She was among the, the attendees telling the crowd that politicians can't break this promise to us anymore. They're setting up a world where they, they don't have to live in it. Uh, that's why this matters. That's why mm. we fight. And as a result of your hard work, we have folks in the Senate. We have folks in the House, not just me. Not just like they say, a tiny group of the squad. We have critical mass of people saying, no climate, no deal. So uh, they were arrested. Some of those were arrested. Um, but they were uh, they were just given a glass of warm milk and sent home. Uh, their parents were called. And they said, hey, we appreciate the activism uh, that these kids are learning mm-hmm. in school. And we're, we're proud of them. Uh, so they'll probably be back. And, you know, it's weird. This is a Soros group. This is this is the Sunrise Movement. Uh, and the Sunrise Movement is a radical environmentalist group funded by George Soros. Now, what did Ethel and Lois and Myrtle and Olive do, Pat? Well, I mean, really, what did they do? What, what was the worst thing that you remember from, I mean, besides, you know, people being shot? Mm-hmm. You know, the, not not the people that were were protesting. Right. Uh, well, they were the ones shot, but the ones doing the shooting were the Capitol Police. One of the worst images that I I saw was they took over Nancy Pelosi's office. Yes, put their feet up on the desk. Right. 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 Okay. Really disgraceful. Yeah. Um, not an insurrection, but really disgraceful. Yes. Uh, you know what's weird? The Sunrise Movement. Uh, November 30th, 2018, uh, 51 people, uh, took her office and, uh, camped out in her office and 51 people were arrested from the sunrise movement doing the same thing, uh, which is weird, Mm. uh, that we haven't really heard of that. Yeah. That didn't seem like a day that almost ended our democracy. Did it? That no. Didn't, it nobody's didn't. saying that. Uh, was it November? November of 2018? Our democracy yeah. nearly came to an end, and we don't even talk about it because the exact same thing happened uh, on that day in Nancy Pelosi's office. Of course, I don't know that anybody carried her podium out of yeah <laughs> the house. Uh, we're exaggerating a little, a little bit here. Bit. I, I don't think yeah. any of the Loises did the really bad things that happened <laughs> in the Capitol. I mean, look, there's video of people assaulting police officers, and that is never yeah. going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, but there are it's there are a lot of people okay. who I mean, look. But why aren't they leading with this? Why are they yeah, arresting right. yes. and harassing exactly. the grandmothers? Right. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, look, if they if this is all they have, right? If at the end of the day mm-hmm. they're not arresting the people, and there were some, it was a minority of the crowd though and this is that always gets left out it's a small minority of the crowd who did the really bad things there there were people who just sort of wandered in should have known better probably uh but generally they were not insurrectionists it's the dumbest thing in the world 
to, to refer to the overwhelming majority of the people who were there as insurrectionists. It's insanity. I mean, we, I, I think I talked to you, Glenn, about this. It may have been off the air, but I, I listened to an interview with a socialist, who a socialist writer, and they were like, you know, guys, we should probably not call this an insurrection because, you know, the next time we do it, they're going to call it an insurrection. Like, this was mm-hmm. just a riot, mm-hmm. uh, is what he said. And I think that's a fair description of as to what you saw. It was a damaging riot. It was bad. It, you know, there are a lot of people who do deserve to be punished because of it. But, you know, there's also a bunch of grandmothers who wandered in there for four minutes. And mm-hmm. you can't. it does seem like they're leading with those arrests. Maybe they're the easy ones. Maybe those are the people who are confessing. I don't know. But it does seem to be going about it backwards as far as priority should go. Well, the judge said he didn't want to send the signal that everybody was going to get probation. Uh, just that Lois and the other grandmother, they came in and said, well, I would have never had anything to do with it. It was like that and read those books and watched the documentaries. So <laughs> uh, not everybody's going to get that soft treatment. I'll I, tell you that right now. I hate to mm-hmm. do this again because we've already done this on the air. But are you really telling me they asked her to watch a Netflix documentary? Yeah. Like that's a real part of the story. Incredible. You're not. That's you guys not part really of don't joke. believe me. No, it's incredible. Uh, hang on. Let me get this story. Uh, one has more to be time. a joke. This has to be the, a joke. Nope. Here it is. The unarmed grandmother, uh, blah, blah, blah. Capitol building. She was there for 10 minutes, according to the court documents. Um, she made an agreement um, that uh, that said that she was wrong. Uh, she was ashamed of the savage display of violence that day. I would have mm. never been there. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, The attorney bizarrely had her client read books like Burn My Heart at Wounded Knee and watch Netflix Mudbound and other documentaries, Slavery by Another Name and Tulsa Burning, the 1921 race massacre. The content was referenced. the, The content was referenced in her mea culpa to the court, which apparently was vital in the agreement for probation. So the attorney did this. Now, it wasn't a punishment necessarily from the as from part the of the as part of the plea. So right. she okay. is really super sorry. In fact, she's watching these things. Unreal. Oh my gosh! Wow! Unreal! Wow! Wow! Welcome to America. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. So Chief Cahill was the chief law enforcement officer on board the USS Princeton in 2004 during the Nimitz strike group Tic Tac UAP encounters. A UAP is something that uh, means UFO. It's just the government's um, uh, acronym for what we know to be UFOs. There was a report that came out last week. It was nine full pages my gosh, how long did it take them to put nine pages together? Um, but they they say things that I find very, very um, puzzling. If you read the report, don't worry, nine pages. Who would read it? Um, it talks about if if this is true, if these things, when we come down to it, they're going to fall into well, I think they said one of five categories. You know, it's going to be weather balloons. It's going to be some sort of natural occurrence. Uh, it might be, you know, one of our 
planes or objects. It might be a foreign military's objects, or it'll go into a other bucket. Well, it's kind of the other bucket that I'm kind of interested in. And uh, maybe Sean can give us some uh, insight on this nine-page UAP uh, report. Welcome. Welcome, uh, Chief Cahill. How are you? Good morning, Glenn. It's good to be here. Oh, you sound so serious. Uh, gosh. Uh <laughs> Uh, I, uh, uh, we're going to, we're going to, uh, kind of go a little bit. We're, we're interested in UFOs and I like to talk to people who are not interested in UFOs. And so you might be the perfect guy, um, because you talk to people who are UFO lovers, they want it to be true. I just want the truth. So can you help us find that? Well, I can say that for the people who are disappointed in the nine-page UAPTF report, I would ask them to change their perception a little bit. The, the first aspect of that report was that it was to go to Congress. So the nine pages, while I don't want to make it sound like a gift from Congress, I was quite happy that they immediately turned around and gave us the unclassified portion of it. Now, I'm like a lot of people, I'm most interested in what's in the classified annex. And there have been a lot of rumors that are circulating, circulating around about it. But there's a lot in that nine-page report that we can immediately dig into. And it harkens back to 2004 when I was on board Princeton. And it speaks a great deal. If we focused just on that Tic Tac case where I was present today, we would show a perfect example of why the UAPTF was formed and the kind of data that we're looking to deliver to not only our, our leaders, but to the American people is the real data. Okay. The, so can you give us can you take us back uh, to when you were on the Princeton and and tell us what happened that that whole experience? Yes, in 2004, when I was stationed on board Princeton as the chief law enforcement officer, what we call the chief master at arms in the Navy, I helped coordinate ships movements over a period of days with senior chief Kevin Day down in the combat information center. He had been picking up anomalous contacts on the Aegis radar system that were coming in at suborbital altitudes, then going down to 80,000 feet. And then what was spectacular was they were immediately translating down to, the, to sea level. And then there were groups of them proceeding in a southerly, southerly direction against the wind. This was so strange and worrisome to Kevin that he began a series of, of diagnostics. He and a, and a radar tech named Kevin Voorhees both rebooted the system numerous times. They, they double-checked everything, triple-checked, and finally Kevin went to our captain and said, Sir, I'm pretty sure that we have real contacts, that these are not ghosts in the system based on the upgrade. And because we were the... Okay, wait, 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 let me just make sure that I have this right. So these objects were up almost to outer space, but in our atmosphere. They came down uh, to 80,000 feet. I guess that's unusual um, because, I mean, how many things are up suborbital? And then it went down to sea level. This is highly unusual? Well, it's highly unusual, and it's frankly impossible for most of our vehicles that aren't ballistic um, weapon systems. Because to deorbit a craft requires a, a certain specific set of maneuvers to, to enter, re-enter the atmosphere. So not only were these appearing beyond where the Aegis radar system could pick them up, they were in space. They were then translating down to an oh. altitude that e- even our best aircraft uh, don't operate very well at. 
Okay, so wait, wait, wait. So when we enter, we have to we have that blackout period where you know we're 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 really kind of on fire when we're coming back down in. <laughs> so they didn't enter the same way. They didn't experience those things. Well, at the time we didn't we hadn't yet heard of what were called the five observables that came out of a program called ATIP that Luis Elizondo ran. But what we did witness was what was called hypersonic velocity and instantaneous acceleration. Those are two of the five observables. And they're two means of, of action that we have, we have zero craft in our arsenal that can do that. So there was nothing about this that matched anything that we understood. And then to have them immediately go to sea level and then kind of make a lazy flight southward um, almost as if they were a flock of balloons. This is one of the things that gets the debunkers into it because they like to cherry pick and say that there were 20 or 30 different things happening at once that conflated to confuse the military that there were UFOs. But that's not the case. Kevin sent uh, a sortie of F-18s out to the area where the radar was picking them up. Uh, we were the Air Defense Commander, so our captain had that authority to order that. And Commander David Fravor and his wingman pilot, Lieutenant Commander Alex Dietrich, made their way out to this area, and they observed an area of water that was, they said it was roiling. And it was approximately the size of a 737 aircraft, and around it were these tic-tac-shaped objects that were matte white in color, approximately 30 feet long, with no control surfaces, no means of propulsion, no markings whatsoever, and they were darting around instantaneously like ping-pong balls. So wait, let me see if I understand this. So there's some big object the size of a 737, and these ping-pong balls, these tic-tacs, are circling it? So are they, uh, speculation here, part of propulsion or something, or are they separate aircraft or whatever I it is? I hesitate to speculate, but if I were to speculate immediately, I think one of the feelings was that they were either observing this area of water or they were tending to something that was in the water. Um, I can say that I've, I've participated in follow-on investigations with Lou Elizondo down in Mexico in Ensenada and off, the, off of Guadalupe wow. Island, where the Tic Tacs were witnessed going into the water. Um, and the, the folks we spoke to down there see these all the time. Um, it's a very interesting situation down there, but what we encountered that week was unlike anything we had ever seen before. Um, towards the end of the exercise, after the night that the pilots returned with the gun camera footage before we had seen it on board Princeton, I was out on the port side bridge wing with the, the port watch, or excuse me, yeah, the port watch um, at approximately 45 degrees up in the sky at 2,000 feet, 2,000 feet off the port bow, I saw five to seven lights in a completely clear and cloudless sky. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And these five to seven lights all moved towards the center of the circle of their, or the center of their formation that they were in and each instantaneously disappeared. I say that they blinked out, but they didn't show any kind of movement or propulsion. This action completely matched what we were seeing on radar and completely matched what the pilots returned with um, on the gun camera footage. The next morning when myself and the other chief petty officers in the chief's mess witnessed that, that video, we were astonished. We knew that immediately what we were looking at, we had the chain of emails that came with it where the operations officers on the ships were 
we're immediately debunking everything. We know what birds look like at sea. We know what um, balloons look like. We know what other aircraft look like. We know what the lighting configurations are. These things did, did stuff that we just can't do. And we had the electrical optical data, the eyewitness testimony, and the infrared data to, to tell us about it, not to mention the radar data. The best of the Glenn Beck program. So on Monday night, here's what Tucker Carlson said on his program. But it's not just political protesters the government is spying on. Yesterday, we heard from a whistleblower within the U.S. government who reached out to warn us that the NSA, the National Security Agency, is monitoring our electronic communications and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take this show off the air. Now, that's a shocking claim, and ordinarily we'd be skeptical of it. It's illegal for the NSA to spy on American citizens. It's a crime. It's not a third world country. Things like that should not happen in America. But unfortunately, they do happen, and in this case, they did happen. The whistleblower, who is in a position to know, repeated back to us information about a story that we are working on that could have only come directly from my texts and emails. There's no other possible source for that information, period. The NSA captured that information without our knowledge and did it for political reasons. The Biden administration is spying on us. We have confirmed that. This morning we filed a FOIA request, a Freedom of Information Act request, asking for all information that the NSA and other agencies have gathered about this show. We did it mostly as a formality. We've also contacted the press office at both NSA and the FBI. We don't expect to hear much back. That's the way that usually goes. Only Congress can force transparency on the intelligence agencies, and they should do that immediately. Spying on opposition journalists is incompatible with democracy. If they are doing it to us, and again, they are definitely doing it to us, they are almost certainly doing it to others. This is scary, and we need to stop it right away. Uh, Now, the NSA has responded on June 28, 2021. Tucker Carlson alleged the National Security Agency has been monitoring our electronic communication and is planning to leak them in an attempt to take this show off the air. This allegation is untrue. Now, listen to this. Tucker Carlson has never been an intelligence target of the agency, and the NSA has never had any plans to try to take his program off the air. NSA has a foreign intelligence mission. We target foreign powers to generate insights on foreign activities that could harm the United States with limited exceptions, uh, e.g. an emergency. NSA may not target a U.S. citizen without a court order that explicitly authorizes targeting. Somebody who knows an awful lot about this is Cheryl Atkinson, who has been spied on um, herself by the United States government, investigative reporter and host of Full Measure with Cheryl Atkinson and also the author of Slanted. Hi, Cheryl. How are you? Hey, Glenn. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I, I don't know how people come to this leaning toward the NSA. I mean, everything that has happened recently, and quite honestly, if you want to be a free people, you shouldn't give the benefit of the doubt right away to the government on something like this. What do you think's happening? You know, I've, yeah, I've tracked the proven instances. These are just the ones that have been reported publicly through documentation 
you know, pre actually for decades, but starting in the 2009 time period, we know the government was proven to have spied on members of Congress, their staff, journalists. We know that intelligence officials gave false information on these questions when they testified to Congress. So again, like you say, the default position should be, we know this is being done and has been done. And if they can prove otherwise or are upfront and forthright with their information, perhaps we could listen to that, but they never are. Yeah. Um, they, um, we, we know that they have the ability to uh, capture all communications in the United States. We know that they do capture all communications, but they say it's just on the, the meta level. Um, however, uh, if you're wanting to target somebody, it's not that hard to do it. And the NSA says, unless it's an emergency. Well, if the United States government is convinced that the largest insurrection ever to happen since the Civil War was January 6th, and that came from Trump supporters and Trump supporters watch and listen to me, Tucker Carlson, you. Well, then doesn't that doesn't that qualify in some twisted way? to a, a dirty government that, yeah, they have the right to spy or to read emails and texts. Of course, excuse me, I'm sneezing. Of course they do. You know, they will find a way to justify whether they believe it or don't believe it. They can find a way to put down on paper the necessity, at least make the argument that this is something that they must do and they're authorized to do for national security. But because it's done in mm. secret, and through the FISA court, where we usually never know what the justification is that's presented, and we're never meant to know, we can't say whether they did it properly. We can't tell whether they manufactured information like they did against Carter Page, the Trump associate, to spy on him. Um, but I would say, Glenn, you know, I've been talking about this for years since I got the forensic proof that it happened to me. Without them ever being stopped and nobody being held accountable, of course, we can expect more of the same. There's been no change, no deviation from the path of illegally and improperly spying on people. And in my case, you know, I learned through courts, I still have a case pending, but through a lot of court action over the years, I learned that government officials enjoy a great deal of immunity from their crimes or acts that they commit or oversee while in office. Congress would have to change the law to actually hold them accountable for some of these surveillance abuses. And none of that's been done. It is truly terrifying when you when you <clears throat> when you think and read, <clears throat> excuse me, what the president, the White House at WhiteHouse.gov has just put out <clears throat> on the way that they're going to attack domestic terror. They openly say they're going to be working with high tech to find those people who are insurrectionists extremists but also all those that they may have infected or affected uh and who the leaders are well all you have to do is define things a little differently than the average american which we're learning new definitions of everything right now so it's it's really uh more likely than possible uh when you see that and nobody is reacting, how do we save freedom? Well, it's a good question, and that's the problem with this crisis and confidence that's been created in our institutions and our law enforcement and our intelligence agencies 
so many people think there are double standards, political motivations, that, you know, it would be one thing if a trusted agency announced they were legitimately looking at these things. But we see through recent efforts in history and context that too often they are not and that they're violating laws and policies to do the things that they're doing. So there's this great sense of this feeling of hopelessness and even chaos, I think, among those who would like to believe that there's a sense of law and fairness and that our intelligence community and law enforcement officials are going to be doing things fairly. But I I think a lot of people know that that's not been the case. You have, um, you know, we've had Soros's people and everybody else. I mean, I have people going through my garbage, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And they have done a good job of smearing me. Can you can you describe to the American people the difference between what's happened to me and then what's happened to you or could happen to Tucker if the United States government is doing it? Well, the United States government, as you know, has every tool at their disposal, every advanced form of technology, access through the telephone companies, which they have been requiring to cooperate with them since prior to 2001 on collecting different kinds of surveillance. I did a story that surprised me at the time on the former head of Quest, which is a phone company back in the day that mm-hmm. he said that they were all, all these phone companies already had dark contracts prior to 2001 from our intelligence agency worth hundreds of millions of dollars to collect information. And he said that in 2001, prior to the terrorist attacks, by the way, he was, brought into a SCIF because they would have these meetings, a SCIF, a secure facility. He would have meetings with intelligence officials. And for the first time, they asked him to do something he said on U.S. soil, collecting customer information for them, that he said was clearly unconstitutional and illegal. This is, again, 2001, prior to the 9-11 attacks. And when he refused to do it, the other phone companies, he said, went along. Not only did they cancel their super valuable dark contracts with the company, Suddenly, he found himself charged by the federal government with insider trading, and he went to prison for a time. So I I think this is a really dangerous thing. The government has these tools and this potential, I would call it blackmail material at their disposal. And then I would also point out to your listeners, Glenn, it's not just one operation, somebody that goes through an NSA database improperly or FBI agents that turn in false information for a wiretap. There are many operations we now know about, including in my case, some of the spying that was done on me was done through a rogue team out of the Baltimore U.S. Attorney's Office under Rod Rosenstein. And we know that from a former federal agent involved, as well as the forensics. So there's all kinds of teams, dark groups, rogue operations that could be doing different aspects of this kind of spying and all connected to the government. Give me some hope. What is being done to I mean, I've had I've had congressmen and senators come to me and say that they have been uh, they've received veiled threats uh, from the intelligence community when they're in small groups. Uh, people have come in and said, we have some information uh, that uh, some of your colleagues and you may be in this room. Uh, are working uh, with foreign governments, and we just want you to know, for your protection, uh, we are uh, we are monitoring things. But uh, 
uh, just know that we're on it. And they they received that as a threat. One of them said, are, are you telling us you're monitoring all of our communications? And the response was, I'm I'm not at liberty to say one way or another. And they took that as a threat, whether they're following through with that or not. Uh, they are members of Congress that truly believe that they are being watched and listened to. And when you have that kind of a system against you, you have no chance of of doing the right thing, you know, in Congress and standing for the people. You don't you don't stand a chance. Well, let me tell you a couple of incidents that have been documented. We know that in 2009 that the intel community, the NSA, secretly recorded and listened in on Democrat Congresswoman Jane Harmon because somebody ultimately leaked her name to the press as well as some recordings. Same thing happened to Dennis Kucinich, a congressman, another Democrat. This happens to both parties. This is not something that's isolated to one over time. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a fact. And then I was told some years back by a staffer for a top member of the Senate, kind of similar to what you're saying, that they were called in these staffers by Intel officials and told, we're going to be looking at your phone records. Again, this is something people kind of accept now in a way, I think, which they shouldn't. This is stunning that our intelligence agencies would be listening in on members of Congress and their staff. This is something that should never happen. And the staffer told me they were just stunned to be told that this was going to happen. And I said, well, did anybody in the meeting, any of these congressional staffers speak up and tell these intelligence people not to do it? And he said, no. And I said, why not? He said, we were afraid we would look guilty of something if we did, because supposedly Hmm. the intelligence officials were looking for leaks to the press or something. So nobody wanted to say no for fear of looking guilty. And, and this was years ago. I think they've been doing that ever since, and we're probably doing that prior to that and collecting all kinds of information that, yes, could conceivably be used against members of Congress and their staff. Cheryl Atkinson, if you have not uh, seen her investigative uh, work recently, uh, make sure you follow Full Measure. Uh, it comes out once a week, and it is really good. Also, her books are tremendous. Her latest is Slanted. Uh, you can find her at CherylAtkinson.com. That's CherylAtkinson.com. Or you can follow her on Twitter at Cheryl Atkinson. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Appreciate it. God bless. Thanks. Take care. Na, na, na.